Welcome to another exciting weekend message from Encounter Church. For more information, visit us online at EncounterPGH.com. Thanks for listening and enjoy the message. Happy Mother's Day from Encounter Church and from the bottom of my heart. Mom, if you're listening on our podcast, I just want you to know that I love you. You are you are everything to me. Mom, you have done everything. You have fit this job description perfectly. Uh, tireless hours in, in my life raising your three kids. And I just wanted to say thank you. And you can't be with you today, but happy Mother's Day. I love you. And I know that anyone who's in the room here today, anyone who has a mom somewhere or, you know, or is a mom, know that you are loved. Know that despite all the times where it might not feel like we really do love you or that we care or that we don't pay attention, um, today is a day that is just for you. So we wanted you to feel special. And hopefully, hopefully you felt just a little bit special with that. So happy Mother's Day. Okay, so we're going to go ahead and, and continue in with our series this week. We just started last week a brand new message series called Jesus Is. And we're taking four weeks to just describe the, some of the broad and some specific aspects of who Jesus is. And last week we talked about how Jesus is personal. He's personal to us. He cares about us. He knows who we are and wants to be intimately and personally involved in our lives. And our main idea last week was that with Jesus, it's not business. It's actually personal. Oftentimes we hear it the other way around when you will let somebody down. Hey, it's not personal. It's just business. But in Jesus' world with him, it's flipped. It's not about business. It's about being personal. It's about knowing him and about having a deep relationship with him that intercedes and intersects with your life. Well, today we're talking about justice, how Jesus is justice. Well, what does that mean? I mean, we know that in our world that we have injustices in our world. We, all it takes is to just turn on the news All it takes is for you to look at the local news or world news and we see a myriad of problems that are just plaguing our world. Uh, Injustices everywhere we go and we're walking to work, you know, down in the city or even just driving through neighborhoods that don't seem like my neighborhood or your neighborhood. We just see that everyone, that there are, there are just, people are victims of injustices everywhere we go. There's so many problems around the world. We know of civil wars in Syria. We know of, of genocides taking place in Africa. We know about diseases that are happening in Europe. We know about how in the United States we have all sorts of problems everywhere we go. And even in our own backyard, there are neighborhoods There are streets in our own communities that we could probably say, yeah, that street, I don't go there. Or or people try not to go into those places because of the things that are happening there. But there are people who live in those communities. There are people who live on those streets and who who are not part of the problem but are victims of the problem. There are injustices everywhere we go. For example, in my life, and this is not an example to say, oh, poor Jared, but just an example of how it's lived. Maybe some of you have experienced something similar or being a victim. We lived in a community uh, here that I will not name just for the sake of, I don't want to offend anyone who might be listening, who knows where it was. But before we moved to Lawrenceville, we lived in a certain section of Pittsburgh that we moved here to. And while we were there, uh, one morning we woke up and my car had been stolen. It was taken from us. And uh, we don't know why, what happened. So, uh, apparently some individual decided to get into our car and take it and drive it up to the, to the, up the street and then just ran it into uh, like this uh, sort of embutment that ended up shredding the suspension and our car was totaled, completely totaled. So that was one thing. And then in the same neighborhood, in the same house, about a year later, we were actually, my wife was taking our kids to, or picking the kids up off of the bus and our garage was left open and somebody, I don't know how it happened within a matter of 10 minutes, pulled a truck up and stole all four of our bicycles out of our 
garage and took them and we never saw them again. So I know what it's like in some respect to feel like a victim of an injustice. That's not fair. What would give you the right to come into my home and to take my car or to come in and take my bikes, you know, and those types of things? And again, this is not to say, oh, poor Jared. I mean, we've recovered and God is faithful and has taken care of his, of, of, of us and my family. But it's an idea of this injustice. We see it everywhere we go. I mean, maybe, maybe you can identify with the same thing. We see it all around us, right? Hunger. We, he, we hear about it. There are kids. There are children living in Lawrenceville who do not have enough food. Hunger strikes all over our country. Clothing. We're going on an outreach this coming Saturday. This Saturday. We'll talk about it, about it in a little bit, but I encourage you to come. Why? Because we're going to a clothing distribution center where clothing has been donated from all over our community. And then we're going to sort that clothing and put it on shelves so that churches can come to this place and take it back to their churches and give it away to people who need clothes in their community. I don't know what other things the church could really do practically to meet needs other than to feed people, other than to give them clothing, you know, other than to, to meet physical needs. But clothing is, a, is an issue. Housing is a problem. We know of housing problems all over our country. Homelessness. Pittsburgh has a homeless problem. There are homeless camps all over the city of Pittsburgh. And we may not see a lot of them in Lawrenceville, but there are homeless people here as well. And there are homeless people around our city. If you just drive right down 28 before you get onto 279 or 376 or 579 or any of the myriad of numbers that we have in our roads, you will see underneath the overpasses and underpasses, you will see tent cities where homeless people live. There are people who live by train tracks in in the south side. There are are people everywhere. There's people who have housing issues, people who don't have a place to live. Illiteracy is another example of an injustice in our world. Millions of children do not know how to read. Adults who don't know how to read. In our own country, let alone others around the world. Illiteracy is a huge problem. Poverty. Not enough money to go around. Not enough money to go around. And human trafficking is another example of... This is very, very, very evident in our society right now. Human trafficking is something that is, that is all over the news. It's in movies. And it's happening here in our own community. There are people in Lawrenceville. There are people in the city of Pittsburgh who are coming from other countries who are being forced into slavery. Human trafficking is taking place in our own country. It's taking place in our own backyards. And there are all sorts of problems that we deal with. What answers can there possibly be for such large problems? How can anyone possibly make a difference in a world that seems so dark and seems so unjust? And what about God in all of this? Where is God in all of this? We look up and we say, God, if you are here, why haven't you done something about this? Why hasn't he done something about all of our problems? Well, let's, let's look today into Scripture and see what, what God really thinks about the problems going on in our world. If you have a Bible with you, I encourage you to take it out. We're going we're gonna to actually go across in a, a few different places. So if you can't turn and flip along fast enough, we have the words on the screen, some of the verses. But we're going to first go to Psalm chapter 76. And in, in your uh, program when you came in, there should be notes that you could take notes if you'd like to follow along. But this is what God has to say about the injustices in our world. Psalm 76, 9, he says this, You stand up to judge those who do evil, O God, and to rescue the oppressed of the earth. Stand up to judge those who do evil. Rescue the oppressed. Isaiah 1, 17 says it this way, Learn to do good. Seek justice. Help the oppressed. Defend the cause of the orphans. Fight 
for the rights of widows. And then again in Psalm 82, verses 3 and 4. Give justice to the poor and the orphan. Uphold the rights of the oppressed and the destitute. Verse 4. Rescue the poor and the helpless. Deliver them from the grasp of evil people. You see, it's very, very clear to me that in God's word, that God cares about the hurting. God cares about the broken. God cares about the taken advantage of in our world. Now, I I was reading, as I was reading those, there were some words that stuck out to me, and we have a bunch of them on on the screen here, and I I feel like I'm going to call them power words. These are just words that had stuck out to me. Look at these. Rescue, learn, seek, help, defend, fight, deliver. These are verbs. These are action words. Scripture is teaching us something here, that, it's, that in order to correct injustice, in order to fight against the problems of our world, in order to do this, we have to take action. We have to rescue people. We have to learn about our problems. We have to seek out those who are helpless. We have to defend those who can't defend. There is action that is involved. But who are we talking about? Who are we talking about? Here are some others on the screen. Oppressed. People who are oppressed. People who are destitute. People who are helpless. Orphans. Widows. All throughout Scripture. It's so clear over and over and over again. The Bible talks about helping those who can't help themselves. I mean, these are some strong words. Oppressed. Those are a people who are held down. Oppression gives the word of like, of like a weight on someone's shoulders. Like someone coming in and stepping on their necks and holding them down. Destitute are people who have nothing. People who are left dry. They have nothing. They have no help. And in my mind, it gives me an image of, of, a, of a war-torn country where people have come in and have destroyed their city and now they're left with the shambles of their town. That's, that's the idea of destitute. But it's not just a war-torn thing. It's, there are people in our own communities who are destitute. People who just, they can't pay their bills. They're living in their homes without electricity. In the winter time where they cannot feed their kids and they don't have enough clothing, they're wrapping themselves with, with paper because they don't have enough money to provide for their kids to turn the heat on or people who were evicted. When we first opened our doors, there was a gentleman who, who came to church here and he was practically living homeless. He had a place to stay with some friends, if you quote. But one night he was with these people and they just decided to beat him up and they were hitting him in the face while he was sleeping. And, and now he's living in a different place, thankfully. But there are people who even who have homes to stay in who are in destitute, oppressed situations People who are helpless. People who are orphans. I mean, for, to no, no right of their own, no responsibility. No, they've done nothing wrong. But they have no... They're kids all over the world. Just right down the road. If you drive, travel down Penn Avenue, you get around the construction. There's the Mario Lemieux Home for Children. That's an orphanage. This is a place where kids don't have children, who don't have, who don't have families and parents live. And widows, oftentimes we forget about the, the elderly or those individuals who, single moms, maybe, you know, there's a wide variety or wide categories of what makes up a widow, or even a widower. I mean, especially in biblical times, widows were, they were females, and usually they were old. And when they were older, I mean, if you're a female, if you didn't have a husband, you were down and out. But over and over again in Scripture, God teaches His people to have mercy and to have justice 
to uphold them, to defend them, those who have nothing. Go after them. He doesn't just want to leave them alone without help. He sent Jesus to bring them justice. And I love this story in Matthew 19. This is where we're going to really camp out on this passage of Scripture. It's kind of long, so just follow along with me as we go with the words on the screen. But listen to this story and how Jesus responds in an injustice situation. He said, Then Jesus went over to their synagogue where he noticed a man with a deformed hand. And there was a gentleman who, you know, had, uh, had a hand where it was like, shriveled or it was, uh, if you've ever seen the Harry Potter movies where Dumbledore in the later movies, his hand was sort of, you know, it was just decaying. This is what happened to this individual. We don't know why. It just said that, that Jesus noticed a man with a deformed hand. And the Pharisees, they were uh, the, 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 the enemies, the arch enemies of Jesus who were trying to find a way to trap Jesus and show that he was either a false teacher that they could arrest him and eventually kill him. The Pharisees asked Jesus, does the law permit a person to work by healing on the Sabbath? Now, a little bit of history lesson. The Sabbath was a holy day for the Jewish people. God commanded his people to take a day off every week, the seventh day. So it's just like this, the creation story where God worked for six days and on the seventh day he rested. So God, in the law, told the Jewish people that they were to rest on the Sabbath and do no work. Well, over time, that had become a legalistic thing to where they weren't really allowed to go anywhere. And you can still see it today in Israel or Orthodox Jews, even in Squirrel Hill or in other areas of our community, where they will not turn on light switches. They can't use the elevator. There are all sorts of things because they have translated that any kind of physical exertion equates to work. Well, this is sort of the same concept, right? So they asked Jesus, does the law permit you to heal on the Sabbath. Now, why would they ask Jesus that question? Because they've seen Jesus do miracles and heal people. And it says in the parentheses, they were hoping that he would say yes so that they could bring charges against him. And this is what he said. If you had a sheep that fell into a a well on the Sabbath, wouldn't you work to pull it out? Of course you would, Jesus says. I mean, matter-of-factly, yes. And how much more valuable is a person than a sheep? Yes, He knew what they wanted to hear. Yes, the law permits a person to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, hold out your hand. So the man who had the shriveled hand held it out and it was restored just like the other one. Then the Pharisees, who were obviously ticked off, called a meeting to plot how to kill Jesus. But Jesus knew in verse 15 what they were planning. So he left that area, and I love this, and many people followed him. He healed all the sick among them. This fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah concerning him. And this was this is back in the book of Isaiah with the Old Testament hundreds of years ago. This is, was a prophecy that was spoken that Jesus fulfilled that day. And it said, verse 18, this is from Isaiah. Look at my servant who I am have chosen. He is my beloved who pleases me. This is God speaking. I will put my spirit on him and he will proclaim justice to the nations. He will not fight or shout, or even raise his voice in public. He will not crush the weakest reed or put out a flickering candle. Finally, he will cause justice to be victorious, and his name, the name of Jesus, will be the hope of all the world. Praise God. Thank you, God, for sending your son Jesus to be justice, to proclaim justice all over the world. 
You see, guys, Jesus embodies justice. This story is a perfect example of what Jesus expects from himself and from others. It's that, it's that when you see something going on, when you see an injustice, even if you have something else to do, even if popular notions or in their society and our culture says, yeah, that's not really what we want to do. If it's wrong, it's wrong. And there is something that has to be done about it. You see, Jesus never, ever overlooked anybody who was in need. Jesus was known for being the one who would constantly stop what he was doing and he saw an injustice, he would meet it. In fact, he even, even to the fact of his own friend Lazarus died while he was meeting people's needs. Jesus was in, was in a town and he was, he was doing what he always did. He was preaching the good news. He was healing people. He was setting people free. And his friends came to him and said, Jesus, your friend Lazarus is sick and he's going to die unless you come and help him. And Jesus had work to do. And he said, I will come. I'll be there. It took him two days to get there because along the way he was working, he was doing what he normally did. And when he got there, his friend had died already. His friend had died. Now the story goes on to tell us that, that he was able to raise Lazarus from the dead. And the Bible actually says that he allowed that to happen so that God could show his power and his glory. But the message is not lost there, is that Jesus knew his friend was dying. Jesus got there and wept. The Bible tells us that Jesus wept over the fact that his friend had died. This is not a man who, who, who is like, oh, don't worry, he can die and I'll heal him later. Like it, it, that was not Jesus' thought process. When Jesus got there, he wept because he was too late. But he knew that he had a job to do and he was there to rescue There were prophecies, scriptures after scripture after scripture that taught throughout the Old Testament that Jesus came to free the prisoners. That Jesus came to release those who were oppressed, to heal those who were sick, to help the widows, to help the orphans. That was what he came to do. So he did it, even at the cost of his best friend dying. So that brings us to our main point of the day. The main idea of today is this. With Jesus, justice isn't optional. Last week we talked about how Jesus is personal. So if we know that to be true, imagine the person who's sold into sex slavery. Imagine the person who's living in Lawrenceville or Highland Park or or Bloomfield or Allison Park or anywhere that you might be from. Imagine the person who's struggling financially right now or who, who is in a broken relationship or an abusive relationship. If Jesus truly is personal, does he know where they are right now? Doesn't he know that they're struggling? Doesn't he see that young woman who's being raped by men every day? Doesn't he see that? And if it's true, and he does, and we know what we now see about Jesus, that with Jesus, justice isn't optional, do we not have an obligation to stand up for those who cannot defend themselves? Do we not have, a, have, the, have the responsibility to do what we can in our own lives, in our own world? You see, Jesus met needs first. He was always willing to meet them where they were at. How many times did Jesus feed the 5,000 or the 4,000 and then he preached the good news to them? He always met needs first. A perfect example of this is there's a story in the New Testament where Jesus was preaching in a house. 
And, and it was packed to the gills, like you couldn't even get in. And there was a man who was paralyzed and his friends were just so desperate to get them in front of Jesus that they actually went up to the roof, pulled the thatching off the roof and lowered him down into this meeting. I mean, imagine that sight. If I'm right here now preaching to you and some guy comes down in a harness right in front of me, that would be the, the most bizarre like, scenario. But that's what happened. And they say, what can I do for you? And, and he's paralyzed. And again, the Pharisees were there. They were looking at him and they said, what's Jesus going to do? And he said, he said, son, your, 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 your sins are forgiven. And they were like, oh, look at this man. How could anyone forgive? How can this man be forgiven? How can, how can Jesus, just a simple man, forgive? Only God can forgive. And Jesus said, what's easier, to forgive someone's sins or to tell the man to get up and walk? And he said, but so that you will know that I am God, get up and walk. And know that your sins are forgiven. And the man gets off. He's paralyzed. And he gets up off of the mat and walks out and rejoices, praises God for what Jesus did for him. Jesus met his need first and then forgave him. Jesus always met the needs first. He always cared about the person. And the deal is this, guys, is that he wants us to join him in bringing justice and hope. And if you think that I'm not telling you the truth, there's a really hard-hitting passage of Scripture that we're about to hit right now. And guys, I'm just telling you, brace yourselves. This is God speaking to you today. Amos, the book of Amos, verse, uh, chapter 5, verses 21 and 24. And I read that this week, and it just knocked me out of my chair. I hate all your show and your pretense. This is God speaking. The hypocrisy of your religious festivals and your solemn assemblies. I will not accept your burnt offerings and your grain sacrifices. I won't even notice all of your choice peace offerings. Away with your noisy hymns of praise. I will not listen to the music of your harps. Instead, I want to see a mighty flood of justice, an endless river of righteous living. Wow. Wow. This is God speaking from heaven to his people saying, stop singing songs to me. Stop going to church every Sunday if you're not going to have the heart that I have for people. Now, I said a long time ago, you might be sitting here and be offended. I am not trying to offend you, but I, I made an agreement with the Lord a long time ago when I said I was going to plant this church. And God said, Jared, if I ask you to plant this church, will you preach the truth even when it's hard? And I said, I will do it. I am here today because I am saying this word to you today because of what God has put in my heart this week. We cannot stand by and, and continue to be a church. And I'm not just talking about encounter. I'm talking about all across America and all across the world. We cannot be a church that says we are belonging to Jesus Christ if we will not act like him. He has asked us to go into the city streets. He's asked us to go into the hill country. He's asked us to go anywhere we can and seek out. The word said seek injustice. Seek it. We have got to be a people that gets off of our chairs, gets out of our seats, goes into the streets and takes our finances, takes our resources, takes our time and goes into the communities and helps people and rescues people. They will not rescue themselves. We talked a few weeks ago. How will anyone know unless they are told? And we cannot tell them unless we go. And God is saying, I hate your show. Oh man, that hits me hard. I hate your show. 
mean, it's great. All the music and the lights and it's wonderful because it's, it speaks our language and it's great. And God is not saying don't have a church that, that speaks the language of people. God is not saying don't have your prayer walls and your speakers. He's not saying don't worship me. What he's saying is if your heart is not in the right place, if you're not going to act like I want you to act, then I would rather you not sing. I would rather you just sit and not even come to church because you're not, you're not worthy to be called my child if you're not going to actually act like I want you to. And that's a hard word, and it hits me hard. You see, it's all about our hearts and our actions being in sync that matters. It's about our heart and our actions being in sync. I want to tell you a real quick story about some friends of ours. Some of you know them. Aaron and Susie Hoover, we have their picture on the screen. They're missionaries. Right now they're in Germany and they're gearing up. They're actually leaving in a few weeks to go to Cairo, Egypt. And they're asking the Lord to send them to what's called the 1040 window. If any of you are familiar with this, it's the 10 and 40 uh, degree longitudes that cross over. And inside that window is the most unreached population of the world. It is the poorest window in the world, and it covers countries like Greece. It covers countries like Afghanistan, the Middle East, um, and there's a whole variety. It's just this, this strip. It's called the 1040 window. You can look it up on the internet. And they want to go there and spend the rest of their life just reaching people with the good news of Jesus, bringing justice to the nations where they don't know about God's love and God's justice. They're going to go to places like Syria, And there are people just like Aaron and Susie in our organization who go, and there's an organization called the Live Dead Organization. This is a a group of people who go to countries like Egypt, who go to places like Somalia, places where it is 99.9% Muslim. And they go there as missionaries, and they're not even allowed to come. So they go into places like schools to teach English or things like that, you know, so that they can get into the country and they reach people one at a time. And they're trying to rescue people with the good news of Jesus. People like Aaron and Susie, and they call it live dead because they know that any moment they could die for their faith. They are willing to be the hands and feet of Jesus and be justice and hope to the lives of those around the world, even if it costs their own life. I mean, what better picture of what Jesus did than to lay his life down for those who needed hope and who needed justice. And so... I, you probably don't know this since we're so new, but our church has, a, has an operating budget after giving that comes in. 10% of our, of our budget, we call it the tithe. Okay, So when we ask you to give your tithes, that's 10% of your income, our church tithes as well. We take 10% of the income that comes in and we send it out. And do you know what our income, what that 10% goes to? It goes to supporting Aaron and Susie. It goes to an organization called the Association of Related Churches that we're a partner with that plants other churches. We are planting churches so that others in other communities can have hope. So that other life-giving churches will reach out into their community and will raise up people who will, who will help the oppressed, who will release the prisoners. So the money that you give goes back out into the community to others. 10% of our, our budget goes out into, into giving specifically to church planting and to missions. So here's the challenge for today. Join Jesus in being justice in your world. Join Jesus in being justice in your world. And I was trying to think of what could we do? What are some action steps that we could take today? And it's this. 
Get involved. Get involved. Just, I mean, you can start by getting plugged in here, but find community programs that are making a difference around the world, around your community. Get involved. Specifically, this next Saturday, we're having an outreach, and this is something you're going to see as a theme over and over again in Encounter Church. Every month, we're going to have an outreach, and most of them are going to revolve around our community because we want to be active. We want to make an impact. Last month, we had our egg hunt. We had the big hunt, and we had 600 people. We blessed 600 families, or 600 people, families and kids and children and their parents and some dogs, and we blessed them. With, with a wonderful day. And that's sometimes our outreach is going to take that effect. This week, this coming Saturday, we're going to meet here at the church at 8.30, right outside. And we're going to drive over together. We're going to carpool. And we're going to go to the Light of Life mission in the north side. And we're going to go to their clothing distribution center. And we're going to sort clothes that have been donated. And eventually, we're going to be able to take some clothing from there and do a, a community service day right here in our community and give away clothing to people who need it right here in Lawrenceville. So I encourage you, I implore you to join us this Saturday. It's not a long time. It's from 9 to 12. And we'll have lunch afterwards if you want to hang out. We're just going to go somewhere and get some food. But outreach. Another thing that you can do practically in your own life. Open your eyes to see what's around you. I mean, look, look in your life. I encourage you tomorrow on your way to work. Like, look out the window of the bus or of your car when you're stuck in traffic. Look around you and see... You know, like, what's going on? Look at the, the buildings that you pass by. Do they all look like your building where you live or where you work? Do the homes that you're, that you're passing by look like your house? Are they worse off? I know that when I drive up, you know, from 47th where I live and I go towards Route 8 down, down by the R.D. Fleming Bridge, you pass through Upper Lawrenceville, and it's a very different sight in Upper Lawrenceville than it is where I live here in Central Lawrenceville. I mean, it's making a comeback, but if you go back onto the back streets off of off of you know, Butler Street, you'll see houses that look like there have been bombs that have gone off. There's trash around places. There's broken windows. There's all sorts of things. And this is not just Lawrenceville. This is anywhere. I mean, anywhere you go, you will see these things if you just open your eyes. And I think oftentimes we're so busy looking at our iPads or our iPhones, checking Facebook and Twitter or Instagram or, you know, listening to music and falling asleep. And those aren't bad things. What I'm just saying to you is, to become a part of the mission that Jesus has, to, to partner with Jesus in bringing justice to our world, we have to open our eyes to see what's going on around us. You can't meet a need unless you know that there is one. And it starts with opening your eyes. And then I would encourage you to start channeling your resources, whatever that means for you. Of course, we, we need you to, to give at Encounter Church because we are committed to reaching the oppressed to releasing the prisoners, to freeing the slaves. We are, we are committed to those things, and it takes money to do that. But there's other options. There are organizations all over the world, all over the country that you, can, that you can give your finances to. And sometimes your resources are also your time. So when we say, give us your resources, give us your time, and come out Saturday and join us as we serve communities. We say, maybe sponsor a child. You see those commercials, and how many times have you flicked over to the next channel? Whatever it is for you, Whatever it is for you, channel your resources. And I encourage you to build relationships. Build relationships with people. Get to know your neighbors. You might be surprised about the injustices going on right in your own backyard, right next door to you. If you build a relationship, I tell this story all the time because I feel like it's so applicable. That day at work when I just asked people if I could pray for them, 
God said, I want you to ask the people at work to pray for, for those who come to your desk. And throughout the day, I just ask person after person after person, what can I pray for you about? And I learned things about them that they were struggling with that I would have never known if I didn't just ask them and build a relationship. Build a relationship with people around you. Get to know them. What could it be like for us if we would just try to do this in our own lives, but if we started to live out into our own communities, into our own families? We have a saying around here. We have our three E's. If you look over on the the banner, experience God, explore faith, and express publicly. What we're talking about right here today is expressing. Expressing the good news, the justice of God in our world. We can bring hope to our communities. We can bring hope to our region. We can bring hope to our world. The answer is Jesus. We just have to meet needs. We have to meet needs, just like Jesus did. Thanks for listening to this message from Encounter Church. If you call Encounter Home, or if you would like to partner with us to support the work that God is doing here, you can take advantage of our online giving option. Just go to EncounterPGH.com and click on the Support Encounter tab on the left side. This is a quick and simple way to stay up to date with your regular giving. We hope you join us next week.